Hey everyone, this is Jason Shappert, and you're listening to the Private Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. What can we learn from the Kobe Bryant crash? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com and you are listening to the Private Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school. Give it a two-week free trial at M0Atrial.com. Pass the written test, pass your check ride. Most importantly, make you a safe real-world pilot. That's what we're all about. And that's why today, I know it's rotorcraft, it's helicopter-related, but we're going to be diving into the Kobe Bryant accident further. I hope you watched our Tuesday video on this on YouTube and Facebook. If not, it is the first in our accident analysis series. This is April of 2022. Go dig it up on Facebook or YouTube. I'm sure if you search Kobe Bryant crash M0A, it'll come up. If you're listening to this years later, you will find it. I am sure of it. We did uh, fantastic. When I say we, I mean the animation team, the production team, Coach Ray, everyone did a phenomenal job on getting an animation created and really putting everything together, including the text messages leading up to that. It was kind of, honestly, I was telling Coach Ray, I said, it's kind of creepy actually to see all of this and read all of this. They had a group text amongst themselves where they, because this was a frequent, frequent trip uh, that Kobe made. And again, he used helicopters as his time machine like many of us use aviation as a time machine to save time, especially in a busy place like LA. But I want to expand because, you know, sometimes on YouTube, I have to be so quick and so to the point that these podcasts, and I know some of you are watching this on YouTube or watching this as a video on Facebook. Um, many of you are listening to this. This allows me to have a little bit of a longer format and just kind of share uh, some thoughts I wasn't able to share uh, in the Tuesday video. And I wanna focus on the human factor elements of this. Can we just hypothetically for a bit, whether you're at the gym, at work, walking the dog, whatever you're doing right now, working, whatever you're doing right now, just put yourself in these shoes. You are Kobe Bryant's pilot. Like, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, and that is also a huge responsibility. Now, this is the reason why we have the commercial pilot certificate, right? Because as a private pilot, you cannot fly for compensation or higher. It is because of this exact reason. Now, there's many reasons. They want you flying at higher levels of proficiency and mastery, etc. But this is one of the main factors. That external pressure that I just said. You are Kobe Bryant's pilot. How hard do you think it would be to say no to somebody like that? Some of you are going, Jason, be super easy. I have no problem saying no to people. That's great. Others of you are thinking, wow, like, especially I, I personally have a, a, a personality that wants to get along with everybody, that wants to please people, always happy about everything. I can struggle with the word no sometimes. In aviation, I, the word unable is the most powerful word in the pilot controller glossary, I believe. And it's it's a, a vocab that I have and a vocab that I have to purposefully exercise. The weather that day was, was crummy. 
In fact, looking back over the text messages, that was the main subject was, is this even going to work? They're texting, it's raining here now. Oh, the visibility is a, a mile and a half. And I know you're flying in a helicopter and everything else, but this crash occurred at 160 knots. That's awfully fast for flying around in special VFR. Uh, awfully fast for flying around these conditions in a helicopter, especially in a helicopter because you could, you could slow that thing to a crawl and almost feel your way through the fog. Not that I would recommend that either, but I just look at this and think the external pressures. And they claim uh, Island Express, that's the charter company that uh, Kobe used to charter. And by the way, he had flown this route with this pilot nine other times. He had done this route um, about 15 other times, the same exact charter route. Ara, the pilot, uh, had done the majority of those. Uh, this would have been his ninth trip making it. So he was familiar and all too familiar with the California smog and, and just low visibility and certainly the hilly terrain with all of it. When you listen to the ATC transcripts, you don't hear a flustered pilot. You actually hear a pretty darn good pilot at 8,000 flight hours. And I have no doubt this pilot was a great pilot. This is not a knock on the pilot. What I'm sharing with you is this is an 8,000 hour pilot that just like all of us is still susceptible to decision-making. This is why in the online ground school, I've got entire sections just based on how to make good decisions. In Aviation Mastery of the Book, if you've read the chapter already, and I've shared this publicly before, I can teach you how to do better steep turns, better slow flight, better landings. I can make you the next Hoover, Rickenbacker, Earhart, Jaeger, just fill in whatever name you want there. But if you can't make good decisions, that's all in vain. If you can't use those skills, knowledge isn't power, knowledge is potential power. You have to know when to actually use it and which knowledge to use at that time. And if you're not exercising the wisdom that you have and, and the power of the word unable, the power of the word no, the power of something just doesn't feel right. It's going to be hard to have a long career in aviation. And let me tell you, I am just as susceptible to it. Many of you know the Miami Boat Show story. I won't bore you with all the details. I've done an entire podcast on it. I can't remember which one. I've shared it in the Missouri Nation before. I've talked about it before. I'm sorry to be verbose sometimes when it comes to stories. Uh, redundant might be a better word to use. But it's so relatable because this was only about two years ago. Flying the Technum, long story short, had new passengers. They were doing a, building a new hangar right by where the Technum was. The Technum was covered in all this dirt. The line guy said they fueled it up. They didn't fuel it up. The airplane was filthy. I went to Sump. There's all this dirt and junk in it because of all the construction they were doing. One of our passengers tripped over the landing gear. They're cut open their shin. Their shin is bleeding everywhere. We're running behind. I get in the airplane. The engines don't start. I am so frustrated. And Magda was in the back seat. She leaned forward, she put her, my, her hand on my shoulder and said, Jason, you need to practice what you preach. Or maybe she said it, you need to do what you teach, I believe were the exact words actually. You need to do what you teach. And I paused just like that for a second and took a deep breath. I took my seatbelt off and I said, we're not going to the Miami Boat Show today. And I still to this day have never been to the Miami Boat Show. I don't even own a boat, but I want to own a boat. That's a podcast for another day. Guys, gals, that story was probably two years ago. And I just think back and say, wow, 
We are all susceptible to this. The five-hour student pilot, the, the multi tens of thousands of hours, flight instructor, ATP, it doesn't matter, any of this. Instructors, you can be susceptible to this with your students. Let me share a story. I've shared this on the CFI podcast. I once made a terrible, terrible mistake that I don't make anymore. And again, I share with you these mistakes out of hopefully, uh, hopeful, hopefully it comes across as humility because that's where my heart is with all of this. Um, I shared this with you. Um, when I solo students, I really don't take on many students much anymore. I'm so busy with all our business dealings and everything else. And MSRA is a, a more than full-time job, as you can imagine, the online ground school. But when I was really taking on a ton of students, I stopped telling them when they were going to solo because two things happen. Well, first off, they're flying usually got a lot worse when I told them, hey, I think I'll solo you tomorrow. Guess what? Tomorrow they flew really, really poorly. The, um, the final straw was one day I had the sweetest uh, lady. She was just so, so nice, um, very, very motherly, just the, the nicest, nicest lady. I was a, uh, you know, I don't know, a 19, 20-year-old kid, everything else away from my parents. It was nice to kind of have this motherly type figure, just the sweetest, sweetest lady. Um, probably in her late 50s, early 60s, learning to fly. Said, I want to take my time. We had worked through it. We're like 30 hours into it, getting closer to solo, right? She knew it was going to take her a little bit longer, she said. And I remember telling her, you're going to solo tomorrow. Like, you keep flying like this, you're going to solo tomorrow. Well, that was a mistake because she was so excited. She told all her friends she was going to solo tomorrow. Well, I show up at the airport the next day and all her friends are there. I can't make this up. One of them even made a sign, like a sign to hold on the ramp. It was like we were at college game day kind of stuff. And I'm looking at this and there's, I'm telling you, six or seven people showed up. She was retired and, and they lived in a retirement community. Um, so all her friends from the retirement community kind of came out and I thought, oh, okay. Well, guess what? That day, she didn't fly her best not even close to her best and certainly not good enough to solo and we kept trying now we're getting like to landing six and landing seven and you know how I feel about that the landing start going downhill after that I'm thinking this just isn't good enough to solo and I, I had to break the news to her I said hey listen I I don't think today is the day I, I don't we're not just not flying good enough to solo and I'm embarrassed to admit this but she was so embarrassed to go back to her friends and they said, are you, are you going? She said, no, no, I wasn't. I, uh, Jason said I wasn't flying that good today, so I'm not going to solo. And she was so disappointed. And the, the reason I'm embarrassed to tell you the story is she never flew with me again after that. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm thankful to know that she did pick it back up many years later. Uh, with another CFI, didn't even, didn't even call me to do it. I lost a really, really great client that day. And it was a big wake-up call for me to say, these external pressures don't do us any good. I've got a solo. I've got to do my check ride today. I've already canceled three times. And then the plane's going down for annual in two days. I've got to get this done. You don't have to get anything done. You don't have to be anywhere in aviation. If you do, you need to call a rental car company or you need to airline it or you, book book two days for the check, whatever it is for your check ride, whatever it takes, you never have to do anything. You never have to be anywhere in aviation. Sometimes you just got to get in the car and drive. Welcome to aviation. That's just simply how it is sometimes. Missouri Nation, I know I got off the topic of the Kobe Bryant crash. Um, 
but it helped tee us up this decision-making topic. And I hope you're walking away from this. I can't wait to read your comments below this. What are your takeaways from this? Please make sure you subscribe on iTunes, on Audible, on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever you're watching this. Have a blessed, abundant, outstanding rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, the good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you.